Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Take your recording to the next level with Neural DSP and their unmatched range of guitar and bass amplifier plugins. And right now you can get 30% off all Neural DSP plugins with discount code GUITARNERDS. Achieve an authentic and professional guitar tone at home without the need for mics or cabs. The impulse response loader allows you to move mics around in a virtual 3D environment. And with a range of plugins that cover everything from crystal cleans and shimmering reverbs Right across the crushingly aggressive metal tones, there's something for every type of player. But don't take my word for it, all neural DSP plugins come with a free 14-day trial with no credit card required. Up your plugin game with Neural DSP and Guitar Nerds. Visit neuraldsp.com for more details. Hello and welcome to the Home Recording Guide Season 2. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined by Matt Knight. Hello there. Yes, indeed. And in this series, we're, well, we are attempting to make a track using easily accessible, largely affordable home equipment, and we're talking you through every step of the way. Of course, this is episode three. There are two previous episodes. The first episode, we guide you through what equipment we think you need to make uh, you, you know, to, to make a, a track at home and make a good sounding track at home. And in the second episode, I'd provided Matt with a bit of a backing track, a simple uh, synth line with a bass and some drums, a minute 30 track that sort of crescendos. And I asked Matt to write some guitar to it. And he provided me with that guitar, a couple of rhythm tracks and a lead track. And we talked about what we were going to do and how Matt had found the Neural DSP app, of course, because this podcast series is sponsored by Neural DSP. They are, of course, offering 30% off of um, all their plugins with discount code GuitarNerds. And me and Matt both had chosen to use the Neural DSP Corey Wong archetype plugin. Which is very good, mainly because it, it, you know, it can do bass stuff as well as guitar stuff, and it has some fantastic effects. I don't find the auto were especially useful, and if I'm honest, I prefer using compressors that have a bit more control over them, of which most DAWs provide. Um, but uh, but but everything else, and especially the reverbs and delays, we found very very useful, very good mimics of Strymon-esque pedals. So really excellent for getting that kind mm. of 
edge of breakup time. Kind of, the, it's the first time Neural DSP haven't been making something super metal. Like a lot of the other plugins haven't, especially been for me. Not that they're not fantastic. They seem to be the the growing industry standard. You you can always tell when someone like Rabia has a has presets on something. You know, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be good for that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah, people are always like, "Oh, the hard, the clean sounds are easy. It's the metal sounds that are difficult." But I always find the 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 metal or the heavier rock sounds difficult because I literally can't play like that. And I think there's a certain <laughs> touch to uh, to all of that. And I think the right the right guitar for the right plugin in some ways, or the right you know the right sound that you're going for, which we discussed I completely a bit agree in the yeah. la- in the last episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's impressive. impressive the, 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 the Corey Wong is especially impressive, I think, just because actually when you look at plugins, everywhere you look, there's a metal amp plugin. Every, you know, go on, do a Google search of like amp plugins. They're all diesel copies, or, you know, it's yeah. always Mesa Boogie copies and it's Trek Lake oh. One. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. And I I am really not a fan of those those sort of tones. They're absolutely not for me. What I want is an edge of breakup organic sounding amplifier. And actually for a plugin, that's a really tough job to do. And it's something that your DSP certainly haven't attempted until mm. the Corey Wong plugin. But it is fantastic. And the thing is, as with all new DSP plugins, it's incredibly controllable. I think having that secondary EQ head. Um, I can't remember what it is. Nine band, ten band, something like that. Yeah, I um, I need to dive into stuff like that a bit more. It's like yeah. when, like you, when he's talking about compressors, and you're talking about these like big studio compressors, and I'm just like, you, when you take the guitarist approach, you're like, I'll turn the knobs to maximum and see what happens, <laughs> um, and then everything sounds terrible, and then you don't really know where to dial it back mm. or. Uh, or whatever and yeah eq i think yeah little and little and often with the eq just dragging up little bits and or i think one good tip that I, i've used on eq pedals before is max out or dip one particular band so you can see what it's affecting and then just up in tiny increments that's a that's um, a great way of of kind of learning where your sound sits and i think we'll, we'll kind of go into eqing a little bit later in this podcast as well but I, mm. I i really recommend that method i think it's it's fantastic yeah um co- but you, I, oh, sorry carry on i was gonna say you uh, yeah so this episode is is really about me asking you a lot of questions about how you took the two or three tracks that i sent you and yeah. uh you know, started to turn it into something. I think it's actually quite wonderful. Well, um, we, we've kind of put, we've sort of uh, called this episode "fleshing out the track." That's kind of what we're aiming to do with this episode. Hmm. Talk about how we're going to add to it to make it more than just a you know a bass and drums with a guitar on top. And yes, because I have, you know, in in a in a couple of minutes, dear listener, we'll play the track as I've worked on it and I've shown this to Matt. There is more to do at this point. There is, there's always more to do, but I'll show you the ideas that I have now added on top of, uh, on top of Matt's track. But yeah, mm. the, I mean, that, 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 the Corey Wong plugin, as I think we both found was, was massively use, useful. I find it incredibly versatile. You know, like I spoke, I said just now, uh, oh, you know, I prefer the compressors that, uh, that give you more control, but actually, I mean, there's one of the heads that you have in the Corey Wong suite is a DI Mm-hmm. style head like a super crystal clear di it's the white fascia head um, yeah i don't know if you used it for anything it, I, I didn't i um 
you know, this is my first experience of, you know, and I've said on the podcast loads, like listening to stuff through monitors and, uh, you know, experiencing those sounds not through a guitar speaker and like shifting as much air as maybe a guitar speaker or an amp turned up would be. Um, so I sort of, I would say I dipped my toe in the water in the sense that I was very cautious in what I was setting. And then I, I, I must admit, I've, I kind of found a bit of a groove and then tried to, I, I sort of stuck to that and maybe I could have ventured out a little bit more, but um, it was certainly... Yeah, and we talked, we touched on this last time, but actually playing back, what I didn't do at all was play back the track or loop sections of it and adjust the hmm. um, plug in in real time. Like, yeah. I probably should have done a bit more of that so I could go, right, okay, here's the sound that I want. And I think that's something I'm going to ask you um, in a minute about, you know, how much you used of the original sound versus um the the sound on on the track but on the main podcast obviously we talked about reamping and that was something that um i certainly want to look into as well because i'd really like to be able to use some of my own pedals um as well um you know and i'm putting together a bit of a big sort of studio board now inspired by actually trying to get some more stuff recorded at home yeah um so that's something I, I certainly want to investigate as well but actually still using the plug-in for the amp stuff um and we talked on the main one about recording a drop always recording a dry di and then having an affected one as well and being able to mix between those and basically i think as jd said just so that it's always there you always know that you can kind of rely on it and it gets you out of a bunch of jams if uh, if needs be Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's kind of ex exactly, we, we, we went into this in detail on the main podcast, but exactly why I'm getting so into using plugins for everything now, rather than anything real world that I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be held to, uh, later on in the mix. Actually worth, worth noting early on, um, that, you know, I'm by no means an expert in this. I'm kind of feeling my way through all of this and having a fantastic time doing it but the, the things you focus on end up being particular areas and so i guess other areas end up un, undeveloped and one of the things that was pointed out to me is last week i'd recommended because you were talking about having some lagging issues and i was like oh well you can just export the stems to uh an audio track into a into a wav or wave and uh, um, and and then you know have it fixed, and then the, it's using less of your CPU power, um, you know, to correct any of those issues. And it was pointed out to me that, of course, Studio One, as all doors, has um, a freeze, or in Studio One, it's known as transform function, where you can turn a uh, a MIDI track or um, a uh, a track that's running a plugin into an audio file temporarily, which will. Uh, reduce the amount of CPU usage and hopefully allow your DAW to run a little bit more efficiently. Um, it's not something that's ever been an issue for me because I've, I've got a, a pretty good MacBook and it doesn't seem to matter how uh, how many <laughs> things I, I, I run on it. It always, always works. So it's not something I've ever had to use, but um, I think that's a fantastic feature. So just, just you know, worth noting that my advice <laughs> in the series isn't always right, but it does work. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does work. I, I guess we should probably play them where you got up to so we can then dive into 
a few questions? Let's do that. Let's uh, let's have a listen to what I've done. I won't explain anything about what I've done to you beforehand, listener. We'll listen to the track now and we'll talk about it after. Morbius. A big machine, 8,000 cubic miles of Kleister relays, enough power for a whole population of creative geniuses, operated by remote control. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so there it is. So, uh, quite a bit changed, I guess. Some some change since um, uh, since since you last heard it, dear listener, and since you last heard it, Matt. I sent this through to you a couple of days ago, and actually, I've I worked on it a bit since then because, like I say, this is in a, a process at the moment, which I think will be refined. And there are things on this version of the of the track that you've heard that I already know I want to change and adjust. Um. um. Yeah, I, I just I'd like to start by saying, Joe, I don't know how big of a Pink Floyd fan you are, if at all, and that's fine. But uh, the the track it starts off very. Um, I'm going to go album specific rather than song specific. Oh, let's see if you um, guess the one that I was listening to a lot of okay, when I so came up with this. First half, wish you yeah. were here. Absolutely, my number one um, favourite all-time Pink Floyd record, and I play it a lot. I listen to that record yeah. a lot. And um, the last half is a little bit, because uh, of the way that there's almost like a bit of a key change and the lead line brings in this sort of like, you know, this sort of happy part to it. Um, very end of Dark Side of the Moon. Ah, okay, um, yeah. But yeah, very much like um, the kind of the pace and the feel is very much like um, kind of welcome to the machine. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, yeah, but probably my favourite um, Pink Floyd track. Yeah. Um, where did you get the? What is the vocal sample at the beginning? So, well, that's let's let's start with that, shall we? We'll, we'll yeah. work our way through the things. So, one thing that I think, dear listener, is is it's not for everyone. By all means, you might think it's a bit too left field um, for you. But I I love obviously I play in an instrumental band. I love field recordings. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love field recordings, found sounds, things like that. And the great thing is, so so much audio from old movies and things like that are in the public domain, so you can use them on tracks and uh, I actually have a hard drive of things like that that I've collected so 
you can do things like search YouTube for public domain movies or just, you know, search the internet for those. And I, I've searched that a lot, found old movies around subjects. This is how you have to, like, I've made records of field, rec- of just found sound and field recording. I'm very into it as a concept. So I have uh, the hard drive is separated into subject matter of the spoken thing so that I can pick right. different different themes. And one of the themes is sci-fi. So I went through and found loads of old sci-fi movies from the 50s and um, I downloaded the audio uh, for, for those public domain films and I've stored them all, uh, collected them up. I also commonly use a website called freesound.org, which I use for all my field recording bits and bobs. It's very, okay. very... Very useful. And and actually, uh, Fiverr is also a great site. It, it's not free, but it's a fantastic way to get uh, field recordings and found sounds. For example, I was able to pay someone to walk through, on a previous Polymath record, to walk through the streets of Marrakesh um, towards the Blue Mosque during... Um, uh, during the the prayer at the start of the day, so I could get this this the incredible sound those incredible vocalists in this massive mosque with the call to prayer, um, sort of getting closer and closer as the as the fellow walked down the street with his little uh, his little handy recorder, um, and I I love things like that and 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 the thing about free sound is you'll find everything on there from the ambient sound of people in in restaurants, which is of course very useful. For getting hold of pink noise, if you if you have a mix to pink noise, which I think is a useful thing to do. Do you, do you know what that is, Matt? Should I explain that it's, more? Uh, it's yeah, you've got p- pink noise is the the more middly frequency one. Is that it's, right? It's the ambient sounds of of life and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I, I guess yeah. car doors, people in the street, right, birds, okay. things like I thought that. There, I thought there was something to do with frequency range because white noise is the terrible hissy. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, pink noise is is kind of handy to to mix to. We also uh, actually, I don't use it so so much, but uh, Chris Olsen, the sax player in my band, um, uses uh, things like that crowd noises to put underneath guitar tracks and stuff like that to thicken it up and fatten it up. Um, I can't talk too much in depth about that because I I don't understand exactly what he's doing to make it sound better, but it always sounds better after he's had a bash at it. But I think, you know, we're straying into the, you know, things that are maybe a little bit too far for this, you know, everyone's first yeah. foray into so home I guess, recording. Um, uh, so the way that I, I would start, so where, where do I start with this question for you, Joe? Um, so obviously you received my guitar parts and obviously you yeah. sent the backing track, so you must have already had some stuff in mind. What was your, what was the first thing that, you do if if you were going to do a bunch of these remote recordings say that we're going to record a record now and you were going to kind of lead more of the production side of things what was the first thing that you kind of dived into okay so i can take that's actually a great way of doing it because i'll come back to talking about sort of how i and why i used the field recording in the way that i did i'll talk about Mm -hmm. it in the process that i went through so the first thing is we've got your guitars on there they're all squashed right down the middle of the track so the first thing we want to do is kind of pan them out great thing was you had two different rhythm parts so perfect that means i can pan one left and one right not hard left and right but um i can give them maybe 60 percent on each side and it just gives a a nice kind of stereo effect with the bass and the drums kind of coming more centrally more down the Mm -hmm. middle Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of my my first thing to separate those rhythm guitars 
Then I want to be able to EQ those rhythm guitars. So what I want to do is get them both on a bus. Um, so a bus is applying a master track to more than one track. So if you think the rhythm guitars are two separate tracks that you've recorded, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they're both doing the same job and I need them to sit in, the, in, in a similar place. So I want to EQ them the same. Any compression right. and EQ that I do on the track, I don't want one to be different to the other, especially not because I'm panning them quite a lot. I don't want one side to end up a bit more spiky than the other or anything like mm -hmm. that. So I apply a, a track a, a bus track, a master bus track to those rhythm guitars, and I can then EQ that. Right. Okay. So yeah, because I'd never really understood that was so. So so a bus is effectively um, a master within a master. Think of it. Think of it like that. Yeah. So it's it's like a master within a mix or whatever. It's almost like yeah, grouping a select set of tracks into one set of uh, effects or EQs or. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. you know, it's you don't have to. I could do it separately. You know, I could just, I could just pull the effect over onto the onto the other guitar track and just have them running separately. It's just, mm. I guess, almost in many ways, more a CPU running feature than anything else. Yeah, I, um, I'm guessing it might stem from uh, back in the day uh, where maybe there just wasn't as much out outboard, or if you're mixing, uh, you know, I, I've. I, I've started to watch a few videos of people. I found this one guy, I can't remember his name, but he like mixes tracks live. So he was playing like Don't Stop Me Now by Queen and then was like running all the master tracks or the stems through his analog console and like mixing it in real time. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, you have buses to kind of go, yeah, like you say, apply the same effect to a multiple type of... I guess maybe you would use it for drums. I, d I don't know. I guess you know, yes, people might yes, you do. bust yeah, very drums so. quite a lot and stuff um for that oh, but that's interesting so yeah the first thing is kind of giving um given the track because that's the first thing I, I noticed uh or the second thing i noticed was actually the track had a lot more space uh it feels <laughs> a lot more airy i don't know if that's the right term but it, it you know it feels like more like a band playing rather than a bunch of audio recordings on top of each other does that yeah, make sense I yeah, I think you get that sort of thing when you just pan guitars out, to be honest, which is, mm. you know, I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, mm. But yeah, that that was, I, and I thought I, I just applied a little bit of post EQ to them. To be honest, not a lot. Um, I, like I, I gave them a little bit more spikiness in the mid frequencies. Um, mm -hmm. but like that, that, that was about it. There, there wasn't a lot and I didn't mess too much with your sounds. I used your tones. Okay. I kind of, even though I'd said, Hey, send me the, you know, the plain audio as well. I sort of felt like you'd made these choices. So I should try and stick to those as much as possible. Although right, whilst okay. I say that, whilst I say that when we, when we kind of move on to the lead guitars, I had a different idea, which is something, you know, we were going to talk about on this episode, extra things that I think you should do. So when I like listened to the lead track, I was like, cool, this is great. A thing that I like doing with lead tracks is actually a, a similar thing um, to the rhythm tracks, but I've only got one lead track in this case. So I duplicate that track. Um, I pan them both to left and right, and I apply a, some slightly different effects to one side than the other, just to give it a bit more of a a, a round sound, I, I guess. It's not something that you have to do, but I, I quite like that. It sort mm -hmm. of fills out those frequencies a bit more. And one mm -hmm. thing I did is on uh, on on the left side, I applied, I had a, a, a nice um, Persona Studio One has their uh, Empire, their own um, 
sort of AMP plugins separate mm-hmm. from Neural DSP because the Query Wong stuff was great, but of course there's no modulation uh, on the on the Query Wong oh, yeah. plugins. Yeah. Um, so I I had quite a nice version of an old Boss. Uh, what's the kidney bean chorus? C C one. C one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I had quite a nice version of those. So I. Uh, um, I applied a little bit to that, which you thought was a bit too thick. You thought I'd come on a bit too strong with the chorus. Uh, yeah, it, I, I think maybe for me it was kind of... I think you actually it was nice you said, oh, you know, I'd made those decisions, so you kind of stuck with it. So it's weird hearing... Because I'd never used chorus for a lead track, especially right. a, that lead track that was um, a little cleaner. Um, mm. and, and I guess I use it more on rhythm stuff, so it's quite interesting... Oh, it's just interesting, you know, how we obviously have sort of varying opinions on that. But I, I, I preferred the, again, going, harnessing my inner David Gilmore was harnessing more of the kind of classic sort of compressed, another brick in the wall kind of solo thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it was interesting how you put that on, because that's something I wouldn't have thought of doing. Um, and it's not necessarily something I'd I'd go, hey, I'm sorry that. I think it would have been better, maybe a bit more subtle. I agree. Um, I agree. But, I actually think that's a that's kind of a great method, you know, or certainly I guess it's the method that I tend to use is whenever I make decisions, I'll make them decisively and and strong. And then I can roll back from that point until it's in the right place. Yeah. And uh, very well, much that chorus was early stages, I think. it. Def- I definitely agree with you. It needs to come down a little bit. Yeah. It's doing and- the job of thickening, but... It's too much. Mm, I th- well, I, I think one thing that's interesting, listening back to it, so people would have, you know, listened to the other episode. So I recorded effectively two rhythm parts, but I would say that they weren't like a, you know, eighth note kind of rhythm strummy pattern. Uh, you know, they were kind of, I started off recording one part and then I was like, I'll double track it. And then I was like, oh, but there's bits that I'm missing but bits that only two guitars would interact with each other, not that you would play in one line. And then I obviously added a lead line, which was a mixture of lead, but also some, you know, octave parts and stuff. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And, um,. Yeah, there's kind of no real double tracking there. The guitars are all doing very different things. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was quite interesting how you'd made it sound almost like it did almost sound like one guitar player was doing everything. But there was what you'd done was pulled out some really distinct points 
that I played in like a lead line, like a little descending run and stuff like that. And then you'd thicken the track up with, you know, a synth to match or things like that as well. So did you change any other parts to match my guitar part, for example? So it wasn't as, as much changing parts as, as adding. So I listened for, I listened for things, especially on kind of the lead line where there was some continuity to it, where it's not just like a bent note or a noodling, where you're doing a little run, a little progression of notes. Mm-hmm. And I went through and found those. And then I played those in on a synthesizer uh, underneath what you were doing just to thicken up those runs is almost taking over from the root notes that the bass and the that root synthesizer are providing so that you're sort of leading the track um a little bit more which which i kind of um we'll come back to guitars in a second i guess as as we're you know sort of talking about synthesizers um for this so i i used a, a complete control is it an, an m32 now the m32 is a there the the native instruments um mini keys 32 key little okay. thing so it's 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 tiny it's 100 pounds that you know that that's that's it it's a it's a midi keyboard that comes with a huge load of the the complete control pack now listener if you're not aware Native Instruments Complete Control, their flagship versions of the Complete Control keyboards are considered industry leading. Um, the whilst they they obviously require a computer to function, they are a you know it's a controller keyboard. They come with their own software package, which is very very highly respected, and you will see on live stages all over the world. Um, and the premium package is expensive. It's a thousand pound unit, but they've wow. recently introduced it into these budget. So you don't get all the sounds, but you get a decent whack and the mini keys. So they're not sort of weighted because of, of course, a lot of people use complete control for maybe like live piano or anything like that, just mm. because the tones you get are so good. So this is definitely simpler and more basic, but it's a hundred pounds and the amount of tones you get are unbelievable, let alone the fact that you can use all the synthesizers that you get for free with Presonus when you download even their free version. So you've got access to all of those and a MIDI controller to match. And of course, if you're not very good at playing keys, you can, of course, um, use the Studio One MIDI uh, uh, sort of mapper function thing in order mm-hmm. to to write your notes in and you can still access all of the complete control sounds which are very useful um so yeah so so i kind of i played through with a rough sound and if if for for those bits the first thing i did was i went through and i went right where are the runs what are those runs i'll play along um and after i did that i went listened back through the track and I was like, where is there space? Where is Matt not doing a lot? And where I found that was, was kind of early on in the track. We had the, uh, the track establishes itself. We've got the, the, the swell at the start, the mm-hmm. first couple of notes, you, you know, a little lead bit, but then kind of, there's not a lot of lead going on and there's quite a lot of space in, in your chordal choice for the first 30 seconds mm-hmm. or so. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, this could probably use, a lead line, you know, I'm thinking a guitar versus synth lead line. So I played in this little lead line that I, and I really did like, I just played it in. <laughs> That's the yeah. first take. I didn't, I didn't change anything. Um, my timing wasn't a hundred percent. So I corrected that in, in post using the, the MIDI um, functionality. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I was able to, uh, uh, so I have that planned in. I've got a little lead line now. I've got those root lines as well, but I've got just one of them. So now, because I've used a MIDI controller, I'm able to duplicate these tracks and apply completely different synthesizers to all of them. So the first thing I did was uh, with that lead line at the start, I duplicated that three times. I sent a uh, a cello uh, to hard left. I sent a Mellotron style synth to hard right. And then I sent a, a more sweeping synthesizer, which I found in the uh, Personas Voodoo One um, samples, like a, something that had like an organic kind of cutoff sweep within it. And I sent that down the middle just to flesh out that that section and I realized that kind of towards the end of it I was like I'm a bit bored I kind of wish I'd used the mod wheel and of course you can use automations uh, with any MIDI products on Studio One or any DAW right. which is where I can basically plan in an automation and I can and, it, and it, so you, you can select sort of automation and it will ask what do you want to automate and I'm like well the, the, the mod wheel I want to automate the mod wheel and then I can play that back through and just control the mod wheel for it so because towards the end i just wanted to just go crazy on the vibrato um so i was able to do that after the fact rather than having to replay the whole thing in again and use the mod wheel um but yeah that that was the first bit i guess one thing i've decided with that is it's a little high pitched i'm probably gonna put it back in and then i'm going to pull it down and pull the whole thing down an octave right just to back it up a little bit yeah, it does feel I, a little bit high i think one thing i i really enjoyed about the track which is you know talking about all the things you've done there was you know when you sent me the backing track it and you listen to it you know obviously very basic um but some defined um you know the bass was defining the chord you know the the kind of the root note um so yeah. i sort of you know followed that with a bit more of a flowing guitar part and then what you've done is then pulled out the kind of little runs that almost build in a bit of melody and a bit of uh i guess a bit of interest i i think if i hadn't have done something like that and then you layered it it'd actually be quite flat but then when i, I listen to the version you've done you, you've kind of yeah pulled out a few melodies that actually move the track along because when i sent you the guitar parts i was like yeah they they work but you know and that's why i put those little those little movements in between chords which is something i sort of always play around with at home but you know never i've never committed anything to tape and (laughs) um i thought that was really great because yeah it it just bought that it bought a bit of character i think to the track like there was actually a melody there was a purpose from start to from start to finish yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's kind of the the point, and I really like doing that using synthesizers as textural instruments to support guitars in any recording. I like mm-hmm. doing it sort of in polymath after Tim's had a pass at something on a guitar, just listening back through and being like, "Does is this part of the track too dull? Does it need a little lead line on a synthesizer just to give it some extra texture, or does this guitar line need some support? Maybe not." you know not obvious support but just a little bit underneath just to thicken it up mm. well, and that was um, going th- sorry, sorry go there you go I, I was just going to say that was the that that was the point with the other parts those more bassy parts towards the end i was thinking more about supporting 
the guitars. And again, in that case, there are three of those, one left, one right. Um, in fact, they're ping-ponging. They're pinging left and right. And then there's one with a slightly different, more subby, simple bass tone uh, going right down the middle. Um, yeah, yeah, I... Um I, I think it's great. It almost feels like we should be a band, Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So before we, I just want to talk about drums, but before we do that, I have one more question about the track. Um, you, you've somehow, um, you've made the intro very punchy. So I didn't really know what to do. And obviously the bass comes in, there's this four bar lead in, there's a little bit of a swell, you know, I was sort of like, Oh, I don't really know what to do here. And I sort of added a bit of a harmonic, but you've, somehow added like a definitive punch to the start of the track is that is that sort of just a bit of mixing is that a bit of eq um it is actually all those things so i think the reason why it punches in a little bit more is there's not a lot of magic to this it's quite simple i put the bass up a couple of decibels from what i'd provided to you because it just needed a little bit more lift after the guitars were in there and that really kind of made it drive in quite a lot i compressed the bass a little bit more so it's really very over compressed those the the bass parts having the two guitars now one of them with chorus has really made it sort of it really defines so actually one of the things that is almost a problem that i would talk about in things that i'd want to change or add is because i'm dealing with two lead lines that are exactly the same um i feel when the track starts they're almost two in your face and then towards the end they're getting very overtaken by the synthesizers because so much builds but the lead guitars really stay in mm. one mm. in one thing so you know there are two options there i can either use automations to pull your guitars down and bring them up towards the end or uh, you know, and, and I would prefer you have a second pass at that lead line with everything in mind that's there now. Um, with right, kind okay. of the so that we could add to the existing lead line that would kind of consider. Well, there's not much going on here, and well, there's there's a ton of stuff going on here, so I've got to dig in. Um, and and adding that sort of the dynamics that that of course wouldn't have been there the first time you did this because. Essentially, you were guiding over a, a bass and a drum kit. Right, yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think that would be quite a good thing to um, to do. And I think now there's a bit more of a, a, a fuller track. I think a lead yeah. line, I could probably... Because there's a couple of lead parts that have got a definitive melody that actually like bring in certain parts. But what I... And I said this in the last episode, what's great is just being able to like drop in. I was getting used to sort of dropping in at certain points and actually going, oh, I don't have to play from the beginning of the track and wait a minute for this part to come in. I can sort of just, you know, drop in, at, you know, a couple of bars before and actually sort of, you know, almost fumble around for a bit and then ready for the for the intro. So, yeah, that's something I think I'll definitely, um, definitely give a go. Yeah. So um, before we kind of finish on, I guess, maybe, you know, what we want to do for next week, I just wanted to ask about drums because it was something yeah. you posted uh, the track in our sort of um, WhatsApp group with the the other guitar nerds. And uh, Mark was asking about drums and it was something that I know we spoke before because I just can't really program drums. But I know there's mm -hmm. some things out there that are just like drag and drop drum loops and stuff yeah. like that. And, and it can do a lot of the hard work for you so did you change the drum track at all it sounded relatively similar but i wondered what you did to the drums and sort of how you go about maybe doing some drum tracks 
so I've I've kept it pretty much the same. I'm not 100% happy with it at the moment. Um, for for example, the snare needs quite a lot more reverb, I think, than it's got now that we've definitely gone full Pink Floyd. Um, also, the cymbals, <laughs> uh, I need them to be like a, a little less overpowering, a little thinner so i'll probably apply like a bit of bit crusher to the symbols to sort of balance them out and uh and just a touch of reverb to give them that kind of roomier feel um drums are time consuming but there are quick ways to do it because you're absolutely right loops are an option and in fact studio one comes with a very good selection of loops and that is in fact where i got the the idea for this so um within studio one you get acoustic drum loops there's acoustic drum loops acoustic drum pro and then there are a couple of other packs depending on which version of studio one you have and the great thing about these loops is it's not just like it's not just here's a track um you 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 drill down by genre and then within genre there'll be kind of a few uh, a few subsets of that genre um and so you can you you open that and then within that you'll have new folders separated into intro verse middle eight crescendo fills and within those folders there'll be several different versions of each of each thing plus individual fills and stuff like that so you can really even though they're loops which simply means that you have less control they're very very good so you can because they all seamlessly work together they're great for being able to be like well i'd like you know this little bit of an intro but i really think because of what i'm doing here i really need a fill i need a little drum roll out of this intro into the next bit and you'll be able to find those bits and and pop them all to together and there was a there was a really nice uh version in the kind of the pop rock folder that was in 6.8 and i was kind of looking for something that was in a different time signature so i popped some of those those basic bits down and i used that as my initial guide and then once i was happy and i was kind of inspired by those because i'm not a drummer so i find it difficult to just build a drum beat i kind of need the inspiration and that's what those loops provide for me now listener those loops would be fine. Only if you really want to drill down do you have to ever replace them. But I like having a little bit more control. So one of the things I have is the um, one of the mix-ready um, Get Good Drums packs that you can get off of getgooddrums.com. And they do loads and loads of different kits, which I have several, ranging from about 50 to 100 bucks. Um, and there are loads of different kits that you can get there that, that will give you the individual... Um, individual pieces of the kit so that you can you can build everything in specifically beat by beat so i built something in inspired by the original um the original drums but of course crucially now i have each different drum on a different track and then a you know and Mm, then pluses on that that, so i can treat them all independently that's what i was going to say because you you know, it's, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it's just a loop. And then you're just dragging a loop on there. But actually, you can have it set out like a, a kit. It's it Basically, it's a drum kit and a drum recording in every sense, apart from the fact that there wasn't there wasn't a real drummer behind the kit playing that part in for that specific track. Exactly. <laughs> the really, only difference here is that, that it was recorded by someone else somewhere else. You know? That's, yeah, uh, yeah. For, for, with literally no context. <laughs> No, in mind. exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I think it's amazing, and um, 
yeah, I think overall this is the start of something really good, and I, I certainly want to do a bit, a bit more of it, and actually do a bit more recording. Like I said, it'd be really good to revisit this and look at uh, sort of reamping. I, it kind of sounds like you need to have like an interface with more than you two do, outputs yeah. just for your speaker, um, and then I guess you route those outputs in the DAW. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be something I'd like to do, just because I'd like to be able to split the signal from the guitar record it dry through the mixer into the interface but then also route out into the um into the pedal board and then dial in the sounds through the pedal board as well and capture a bit of absolutely capture both i think that's the ultimate way of doing it that's the way you want it anyway isn't it mm, and i've got some like outboard gear so you know i've got this line six like filter pro like synth and you know i've got some cool old delay delay racks and i've actually got looking at it now i've got this old boss se70 from the late 80s early 90s which has got a bunch of guitar app models and stuff in it it's got that sort of oh cool um crazy it's got a bunch of crazy sounds in it but also a bunch of amp sounds but being able to split the signal and then reamp through that at the same time might be quite cool so you can actually capture some sounds and then yeah capture the dry audio at the same time yeah yeah that's um, absolutely what you want so that was you kind of filling out the track and, and EQing yeah. and messing around with it, which has made a massive difference in 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 my opinion. But it's it's funny because I, you know, I sent you those parts and I was like, oh, it's you know, it sounds pretty good. And then you hear like the mix and you're like, oh, that's amazing. Um, but I still know it's not finished. So you know, even yeah. for me, you are someone fresher to it. It's kind of like this amazing present that you get to keep opening it every time you open it. Like <laughs> it sounds way better. Yeah. Um, and I guess the novelty never re- wears off. I mean, you've done loads of recording and it must be great to hear, you know, all the polymath stuff that you write in rehearsal rooms being recorded and then come back mixed. And it must be a totally, n- almost a new experience to hear it mixed after you've just spent a week or whatever in the studio. I mean, that is a double-edged sword. I will say like there, we got so frustrated with the last record that we made that we had to put a date on, on it because someone always had something that they wanted to try differently or change or thought maybe that wasn't quite perfect. And that is the biggest problem with mixing your own stuff is you'll never be finished with it. And it got to the point where none of us could stand the tracks because we'd all spent so long on it. So we just eventually had to say, it doesn't matter if if it's there now, this is as if it's committed to tape. We're not changing anything. So, yes, I agree. I, I absolutely love, you know, the being able to change things as, as frequently as possible, but eventually it will drive you mad. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what's, yeah. what's the next steps then, Joe? What are we doing between now and uh, next week? So final touches. So I think there are a couple of things you could add on guitar. I'd love you to have another pass at that lead line. As tricky as that might be to remember what you played, I'd love you (laughs) to have another bash at that, trying to add in a little bit more... a, a bit more of a dynamic um i also think we could i talked about an acoustic guitar but i i think maybe a clean electric guitar strumming the chord structure could work i'm not going to say that will work but it'd be great if you could maybe do something on you know i don't know something like the harmony juno on the bridge pickup with the with sort of open chords of the chord progression strummed underneath to see if i can mix that in and find a place for it um but yeah, I think those two things are the main, like, that's what I think we should add guitar-wise. Synth-wise, I want to bring those big 
synths down a touch. I think they overpowered mm-hmm. the lead line a little bit too much, but I also think that might be saved by another lead guitar being played in. And then I've done a little bit with some of the field recordings. I've I've added some automation to pan them around. So if you're wearing headphones, you're going to hear the 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 spoken stuff sort of ping ponging across. It just makes it a bit more interesting. Also, Studio One released a new analog delay, which allowed me to pitch um, delay frequencies down and degrade them as they go. So I added some of that to it. Had a bit of fun with that. Nice. I'm basically going to be doing that and also we need to master the track so next week is probably going to be a shorter episode because we'll listen to the finished product next week and then i'll just talk to 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 you and 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 to everyone a little bit about some real basic mastering techniques which i think will get your tracks sounding fantastic now of course all we're aiming to do is have a a good home recording you know and i think the mastering that little bit at the end makes all the difference and i don't think it's a massive amount of information to take on like mastering is something that a lot of people would be like ah whatever the track's done i've finished playing my parts so the track's done and they were just you know we're not talking about releasing it to the world i'm just saying we could we could neaten stuff up at the end a little bit yeah yeah and um yeah, I think I've I've got a few ideas of things I want to try. So are you going to just send Great. me the the WAV file then? Um, so the whole thing mixed down rather than all the individual tracks. So I'll just play over the top of that. Or are you going to sort of send me the project? I guess maybe you could send me the project. Although I don't want to mess with anything. I don't want to touch anything. That's fine. You wouldn't necessarily be. Now, when doing things like this, sometimes it's handy for you to have the project because you might want to mute out a few things, Matt. You might want to That's mute true. out... That's some true. of your other guitars so it would be handier to be working from more than just the 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 web file but um what i'll do is i'll send you both i'll send you the mix down and i'll send you the complete project which you can upload into studio on yourself nice. and then uh, we'll take it from there I guess we should also touch on WAV versus WAVE for everyone uh, listening. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I will hold my hand up and say, I, I, actually, I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced WAVE. No. That's why I've no. always said WAV. I, honestly, I, I kind of, in some ways, it blew my mind. Um, and <laughs> I was like... Do you think it's an American-English thing? Would it, is, listener, listener, if you're English, do you say WAV? Because I'm sure we've always said WAV. I'm thinking this is another case of solder, solder, or, you know, aluminium, potato, aluminum. Potato. Well, exactly. I, yeah, it's interesting because you say it and I say it. So no one's well, ever corrected... Every, no one's ever corrected me but then yeah i mean obviously i know that wav is short for waveform but then i'm just saying the extension <laughs> exactly. i guess people i mean you know people are going to start saying it's not gif <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's definitely gif um you know so Fantastic. but interesting interesting yeah. Okay. Well, um, well, yeah. Well, let's uh, well, let's see. That's uh, that's all the time we have for on this episode. I hope it's been insightful. And I haven't gone too geeky. I knew that I was going to kind of dip into things a little bit this week, but I hope you enjoyed the track and you've in- enjoyed learning a few things, dear listener. We'll be back next week with the fully mastered version of this track, and we'll have a little bit of a discussion about what you can do to EQ your track uh, to make it sound good. Um, you can join us next week for the regular episode of Guitar Nerds on. Wednesday, and then we'll be back again on Friday with the last episode in this season. Thanks very much for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 